Welcome to a brand new episode of Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our podcast, Deep Thoughts with the Dixons. We are so happy to have you guys back. And for the new ones, welcome. Welcome. It's a Halloween themed podcast today because we're getting so close to Halloween. Well, we're like two days away. Things are going to get spooky on here. Yeah, three days away from Halloween. But... Central West End here in St. Louis had their Halloween party slash parade this past like it was pouring down rain. It was pouring it rain. Was it was pouring cold. down rain. <laughs> Everybody that went, I'm sure, was pretty cold. Yeah, we didn't go. Um, what did we do? Oh, we stayed home. I think we chilled. It rained literally for like 14 hours straight. Yeah, and it was cold all weekend. Um, let's just let's give everybody like a life update of what's going on with us. I'm preparing for a photo shoot that's coming up here in two weeks. Yeah. I'm putting my looks together for that and whatnot. I've just been mostly practicing my Zoolander yeah. <laughs> so that that's the only only pose I'm going to make the whole time. And I will turn left really well. No, you're not going to. Yeah. Stop it. Um, you're working hard. Yeah, CI. everything's been going good with Capital Innovators. Uh, we've been going through the motions with our Ameren Accelerator program that we run for energy technology startup companies on behalf of Ameren. And... We are actually in the very last week of that program. We have our demo day that is going to be in St. Louis, Missouri at the pageant coming up next Monday. It's on November 4th. Um, it's actually one of the very... It's a pretty big deal and I never go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nina's like, oh, this sounds great. I'm never going to go. But, no, no, but it's a great time. If anybody's in St. Louis that wants to attend, it's open to the public, doesn't cost anything. It's going to be the afternoon of November 4th and the six companies that we've worked with over the last 12 weeks are going to get on stage and pitch live to a pretty cool audience of investors, corporate strategists and innovation leaders, entrepreneurs, uh, partners in the energy space around the world that will be coming in to come see it. So anybody that's interested in, in learning more about it, I highly encourage you to come to the pageant. This is me plugging it right now to the pageant <laughs> next Monday on the 4th in St. Louis. Um, but it should be a good time. You know, after that, uh, we'll, we won't be having two programs running simultaneously. So we'll have some additional bandwidth, which is good. But things are cruising. I had a really good day today. Um, we've got a lot of corporate opportunities in the pipeline and some people that are really interested in some of the offerings that we have. So uh, this next month, I think, is going to be really good for us. Yeah. Um, a little update on the podcast. So we've been cruising along. I believe we're at number 23 today. And it's got me thinking, you know, I think a couple weeks ago was a little bit premature, even though I got very positive feedback on adding more episodes and whatnot. And you two yourself have said that I should be pumping out more content. I wanted to get your, the audience's viewpoint on this. So if you're listening, please, please, please take the time to reach out to me and let me know. Should we release more than one episode per week? We've been really thinking about it. I am 99% sure that one will be with you and I, and the second episode will just be a solo one. Um, There's no way that you and I have enough time in the week to sit down for like two hours a week yet, but maybe someday in the future. But definitely let us know if you guys are in for more content, or maybe there's like females listening who are like, you know, I want you to talk about X, Y, Z, and we can have like a, you know, like a... A female, a girl, a girl kind of episode, you know, something that's around girls night. Yeah. Women empowerment or topics about boys or relationships and, you know, sign me up things that sign you me guys up right don't now. talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Let me know, please. At Nina Pal Dixon, which is my Instagram handle. My email is also on there. And if you guys follow Brian, you can let him know, too, that no, we don't want you. Yeah. Or if you want me, if you want episode. me to do episodes on female related things, let me know. 
because no, I can do that's that too. Not a bad idea. Let's ask them too. Like if they want to hear from you yeah. on solo. I I can literally sit there and just give my opinion on female oriented. Maybe the guys want to hear from me and ask me pinpointed questions to get into a woman's mind, and maybe the women want to ask you like. How do I land a guy? Yeah. Or what should I do for how, this? How do I appropriately slide up in a guy's DM on Instagram? <laughs> That's what they really want to know. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know, guys. Um, we're interested to see uh, what you guys think. Okay. Lifestyle tip for the week. Uh, this is kind of a lame Hold one. Hold on. Straighten up. I know. There we literally. go. Go ahead. Straighten up. This might sound like a lame one. However, it, it kind of like clicked in my mind because this past week, you and I were eating salads on the couch watching TV. And our, and our couch is kind of like slouchy. Like it's like those cloud ones from Restoration Hardware. So you kind of like sit in it and you kind of like get, you know, it feels like a cloud. So you kind of just mush into the couch. It's so not a firm couch. I feel like I'm floating through the blue sky. Anyway, it's very comfortable, but I don't think it's ideal for eating on because you, you cannot be in a straight posture. Like your back is all like It doesn't slouched. prevent you from doing it anyway. <laughs> I know it doesn't. But you said, I don't want to sit there. I don't like to hold this and eat over on the couch like this. And you made like a hunching you know, posture towards me. And I go, yeah, that's right, actually. Growing up, my mom was very strict with us when it came to eating at the table and always keeping our back straight because she always said that it helped with digestion. Um, Little, you know, I didn't know this, but now I do. There's a ton more benefits to making sure that you have proper posture. Of course, we work out. We like wear and tear our bodies. If you're a lifter, you definitely are messing up your posture in some form. Um, But because you and I have been doing plank a lot and you do yoga a lot, I think that our posture has like gotten 10 times better. Mm -hmm. We're also constantly just hunched over computer screens all the time. So like naturally, most people that work in those types of settings hunch every day all day long. Like you're hunched over a keyboard and you're hunched during your screen. You don't notice the effects of it and you don't notice it on your body until you've tried to fix it. And now you see that you feel more, you know upwards and you, I don't know it, it's, it's a cleaner feel and I can't explain it I almost feel like if I'm walking straight and like right now I'm trying to podcast and I'm trying to remember like sit straight in my chair but when I do it it's like this rush of oxygen and blood flow like from my neck into my head and it's just clarity you don't really realize how bad it gets until Disney reaches out to you and wants you to cast for Hunchback of Notre Dame coming up in the next you season. were hunching for a very long time i know i well it's, you stare at a screen all day long and i light on yeah for sure and i also you have to plug it in okay um, sorry guys we're having a little light issues right now but yeah no it's it's important to notice you know take care of your posture whether you're at work whether you're sitting at home watching but, but hold TV. up i want to say one thing about this sure topic. so something that i learned with my posture in addition to just kind of the basic work setting and everything is that with as much exercise as I've done over the years that after a while you're if you're a weightlifter like I have been for a long time your muscles will actually start to tense up and you will like get tighter the more you lift and because of that your posture actually begins to shift and you become tighter and a little more hunched and especially if you're not balancing like the muscles that you're working out at different times and especially if you are not stretching super super well every time you work out you'll notice that you'll have 
different areas of your body that will be tighter. And maybe you, um, you know, you do a bunch of chest exercises, for example, but you don't balance it out with your back as much. Your shoulders will start to hunch forward because your body's not balanced. And a good, good way to balance that out is a make sure that you're always doing the reverse type of exercises from what you are doing but also stretch as much as possible because when you're stretching, you're stretching the muscle out. It's not getting as tight and it improves your posture. And I noticed that huge for me, like a couple months back, I stopped weightlifting for a month or two and I did all calisthenic stuff. And I noticed in that period that like when I quit lifting, I think when I, my posture corrected itself so much that I was like an inch or two taller because of it, because I was so hunched because of weightlifting for so many years. And now like I've, I've done yoga for a long time and now I'm doing this plank legree type stuff and it is super helpful in terms of stretching your body out very, very much. And then I'll go in and I'll weight lift still and it's, it's like I'm more balanced when I do it. I don't feel so out of whack. But like some of the metaphysical reasons why posture is so important is because when you are very aligned, like your spine and your back of your neck down through your body, it has energy that flows through your body in very specific ways. And so when you're not completely as, as straight up as you can be, that energy has blockages or it doesn't flow through your body. And you'll actually start noticing that with physical ailments or with physical manifestations because you have energy blockages internally. Here are some physical benefits you're going to start to immediately notice. Don't do that. <laughs> that you're going to immediately notice fewer headaches, which is so true for me. I could like have these like light headaches. It almost felt like I was dehydrated. So I would drink water, but really it was just, I think my posture had something to do with it. It may not have been the whole issue. Um, Reduce lower back pain. You have more energy, which I would also call more clarity in like your day-to-day activities. Like you just feel better. Decreased risk of abnormal wearing of the joint of the services. Less tension on your neck and shoulders, which is a big one. That's what leads to the headaches. Improved circulation and digestion. This is a big one. Reduced TMJ for those of you who have that. Improved core. Uh, Better form during workouts. You appear taller and you also uplift your mood automatically by like straightening up and kind of like pushing the shoulders back and aligning yourself. So I've realized something recently where I was having some challenges with my left leg when I was working out. <laughs> Limpy. Yeah. Peg leg. No. <laughs> um, I got it. So I, I was limping so much. What does your leg I, have to do I with was that limping posture? so much that I bought a parrot and put it on my shoulder what? and got an eye patch. What does your no, no. leg have to do with No, because you just said better form during workouts. Oh. So I think after years and years and years of lifting, my left leg was slightly weaker than my than my right leg. It's shorter. <laughs> no, it's definitely not shorter. Um, so my left leg was slightly weaker than my right, and I began to notice it in certain exercises and like certain squats and stuff. Because I like if I was trying to do like a one legged squat, I wouldn't be able to. Sorry, I'm still over here laughing about your left leg being shorter than your right one. You know, it happens sometimes. Sometimes I got to get shoes with extra cushion, you know? Okay, go ahead. Uh, no, I'm just joking. But what I noticed was my left leg, they're like the stabilizer muscles in my hip that go down the side into your hamstring, into your quad. They were like out of balance and like I couldn't lift the same and I couldn't balance myself the same on my left leg as I could on my right. 
And it was from years and years and years of letting my posture get out of whack by doing different types of things. And until I quit lifting weights for a couple months and started doing this plank stuff recently, it's taken me now about four weeks and I'm not there yet. I probably have another couple weeks left that now the stabilizer muscles in my, in my posture within my left leg and my left hip is starting to balance itself out the same as my right hip. But after years and years of doing it, it I think it was, I was more and more doing workouts without the best form. Nina's still over here cracking up about this. <laughs> Knock it off. Let's, let's talk about your elbow. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with my elbow? Remember your elbow was giving you... That's why you started playing. Your elbow oh, that, well, that was from... Long. Yeah, I think that was from doing well, I don't know. You're, you're on a rant stuff. about your body. So let's just well, talk no, about I was your just, elbow. Let's talk about your leg. I was, let's well, talk about your neck. I, I was going on your point that you had that it took me some time. But because of that, I think it caused me to get my posture out of whack. And so it's taken me like four to six weeks to be able to re- figure out what it was and then adjust myself back and strengthen those stabilizer muscles, which has improved my posture. Yeah, agreed. So the takeaway here is, guys, please work on your posture. That's right. Don't be posturing me over there. <laughs> All right. So the main topic today is going to be about worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. That's right. Um, I was inspired to do this particular um, episode on worrying because... The last several weeks, I was tested on a few things back to back to back. You had me worried. No, I didn't. I, <laughs> I don't worry about everything. I don't worry about I, anything. Like, you know, dealt with everything like a boss. But I noticed that certain things just weren't bothering me anymore as they had used to. And they were the same issues. Like this, this, this issue that had popped up, I won't get into it, has happened to me like at least 10 times since I've been here in St. Louis. And it happened, and I kind of just let it roll off my shoulders that day, and I just didn't really care. And then something else happened 24 hours later, and then something else happened later that week, and I was just like, okay, whatever. So it made me, I was very self-reflective, and I was like, wow, you know, I've, I've made some major life improvements, and I don't think that things are going to bug me as they used to, because I just wasn't worried anymore. It had happened so many times that I was able to now step back and say, it always works out. It'll be fine. It's okay. Like, we'll figure it out. Like, I just didn't care anymore, so to speak. And I just went on about my day happy as a clown. Even you called me out on it and said, I'm so happy. He's, what did you say? I'm very happy with how you're handling it. You were, I, like, surprised. I was very supportive because you, I can t- definitely tell that you've evolved or been evolving from how things used to trigger you. And I've been very conscious about how you've reacted. I'm sorry, not reacted, responded, actually, yeah. to certain situations that have occurred recently. And you're just much calmer and detached from them with the mindset of I, everything's going to work out in the end anyway. So why would this trigger me and get me upset? Yeah, you're right. The word is detached. I remember calling you about one of the things while you were at work and I was very detached. I was just like, OK, well, this is the situation. Here's what we can do. And here's what we cannot do. And here's what we absolutely shouldn't do. You know, it was just kind of like, OK, whatever. But it got me thinking that many of us, including the old me, we live life just worrying about things, you know, and I know that you and I both both uh, have people in our families that are worriers, and I do believe that that kind of rubs off, but I'll get into that later, and it made me think, like, why the sudden shift? You know, why did I, you want some? Sure. Why the sudden shift? What happened here w- within me where I'm just like, okay, this just doesn't bother me, because I do know people my age and people older than me that still do worry. So what in me at 31 clicked finally? That's just kind of had me at this like calmer. It does say in your Hindu birth chart <clears throat> that you will calm as you age. 
Yeah, I've gotten my like life reading done several times, and, and everywhere it says that as they get older, I'm going to be calmer. And for those of you that, that don't really know me, I'm kind of a spaz. Side note, that should be an episode of ours one time for us to dive deep into our birth charts and explain like what that is. That could be interesting. We should. Because uh, we had these birth charts done. Well, actually, your mom did yeah. um, from a, would you call it a pundit? You could call him that. Yeah. So he lives basically in the mountains in the Himalayas, right? Yeah. And this guy is, is an astrologer and he's done this stuff for his entire life. I mean, he is, he's not somebody, just to give you guys a little bit of background, we're getting off track here, but he's not somebody you can That's just That's the reach. best part about podcasts. That's not, he's Tangential. not somebody that you can like reach. He, Disconnected from technology. They no, only no. knew him because. He's not, he's not for like your average Joe Schmo. You can't just have a, like, a fuck ton of money and go get him and like, you know, reach him. He literally, we know him because. My great grandfather um, was like a, I mean, he, he was like dubbed royalty back in the day or whatever. And he owned a bunch of states. India is broken up into states as well. And he owned a bunch of states. And because of that, through that, like generations of generations of family has known this guy and his family and his father who used to do the same stuff. But this dude, particularly right now, only like answers to high end, like high ranked politicians with the really wealthy billionaires. He like predicted the last prime minister. I yeah. Think, right? Movie stars. Like that's his clientele. It's not like, you know, me or yeah. you. <laughs> so long story short, we got super fortunate with this connection yeah, to have him do there. our birth charts. But basically when they do it, they look at wh- like the GPS coordinates of where you were born. Exactly. The city where you were born. They're all the longitude, latitude lines they pull out. The time of day. The name of your parents, the exact time that you were born. If it's if it's thrown off, you got to do it all over yeah. again, which did happen with you or myself. Yeah. And I this guy, if I remember right, he's not sitting there like on a computer looking at stuff. He's using like very primitive things right yeah it's very basic Mm -hmm. um i don't know i haven't seen him in action yet but when we go we will but long story short my mom and my mom's side of the family had this done for brian and i generates like a 40 page past current and future life uh what would you call it like like, a chart of like what's has the potential to play out during your life correct and and he also kind of forewarns you of some any big events in your life and if there's something that has happened he is able to explain to you without any, you know, he he doesn't have a computer to look you up. You know, mm-hmm. he's not, he doesn't even speak the exact same language that yeah. like, I'm. This is written, in order for us to even transcribe this, we had to have your mom read it to us because yeah. it's not even written in normal Hindi. It's written in like ancient Sanskrit, right? Yeah, it's a very ancient language that's written in, but. And he, he actually, for me, like to a T, predicted so many things that had already happened to me. Like there's no so way he didn't that he predicted. He just I'm sorry, he didn't predict. Happened. He had, he had said these things that had already happened, and there's no way he would have known. No, some like of a these computer things. doesn't know that about you. Google yeah. doesn't know the things that he pulled about you. And same for myself. There are things that this guy. I mean, he was so particular about the type of man I would marry. You know, and he didn't know yet that I was married. He would like be, ask my mom. He would t- say to my mom, he'd be like, "Is she?" And like, it's like it, it was just strange. I don't know, but he was very accurate about myself. He was very... You know what that is, right? What? It's really good. Coffee? (laughs) It's not coffee. It's espresso. Oh, okay. I guess the same thing. But anyways, he was very accurate. And in one of the things for me, he said, she's very lively. She's very young and vibrant and this and that. He goes, but in the middle of her life, she somehow gets very kind of like mood swings, like up and down. It's the typical Gemini in me. And it kind of got worse with life events. But he goes, as she gets older from here on out... She's only going to get calmer now. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't thinking about that. Brian kind of brought it up and called it out in me. And I was like, you know what? That's true. 
But I look back and I was thinking like, what, what has triggered me to all of a sudden not worry? Being triggered by something is one thing. And I think worrying about something is another thing. I think being triggered by something is you react harshly and it just like makes you super sad or super mad. But why are we triggered? Because we're fearing something. Ultimately, we are worried about something. And I started to like, I started to sit down and take notes about this because I'm like, this would be a great episode. Is I've been understanding that when I get to know the human psyche behind as to why we do or say things, I'm better able to understand and break it down for you guys on a podcast and then to have a conversation with you as well which helps me understand why we do what we do. And when you are able to do that, you're like, why on earth am I doing this? You know, it's it, it's it's like obvious to you. You understand. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you can conquer it. So from my point of view, there's two types of people. There's two types of warriors. The ones who incessantly think something bad is going to happen at any turn of events and they worry about the future and think anything that's going to happen is going to be bad. We call that false evidence appearing real fear. It's mostly fear based. Then there's the warriors when something does happen, they replay it in their mind over and over again and spew it out into like, this is going to affect my next day, my next week, my next month, my next year. This is how this affects my life all of a sudden and everything's coming to crashing down. I was that one. I didn't really fear things before they happened. It's when they would happen that I would just start to worry a lot. Like, you know this. I'd be like, well, now this means that X, Y, Z, and we can't do this, and we can't go here. and we, You know what I mean? Like, I would just like, it'd be like a spider web that would come out in my mind. And I would just see how all these areas of my life are suddenly affected by this one thing. And that's where my worry would come from. And this time it didn't happen. And so it made me sit down on my computer and do some research and Google things and kind of see, okay, why do we act this way? For me personally, I'll, I'll get that one over with first. I've realized that there are two main goals for me. And I set these goals in the beginning of this year. In the beginning of 2019, this was a goal I have written on my mirror in my bathroom. And it's absolutely that I have to be, must be, and will be happy every single day. I'd work very hard on keeping my mood up or at least calm, not too down and happy, excited is fine. But I have been known to be in like bad mood swings in the past when in my, in my late twenties and my mid twenties. And so my biggest goal was to just simply be happy and cut out anything in anyone and detach myself from anything, in anyone that happens, including you. Like if you're down, I don't sink down with you. I try to stay up here. You know, or if something with my family happens, I don't sink down with everybody. I try to stay up now because I put myself and my mood and my energy and my happiness first. And I've realized that me being quote unquote selfish with that actually puts me in a better spot to be a better wife, a better sister, a better daughter, a better friend, a better businesswoman, a better whatever. That's why I do it, you know, and I don't have to sink back down and pull myself back up. So I noticed that me repetitively telling myself happiness, happiness, happiness on my bathroom mirror for the last, what is it, eight, nine months now, 10 months now, we're, we're almost into December, um, has worked. Where subconsciously, I think that my affirmation finally clicked. And what was just specifically like, is your affirmation? Because maybe some of the people listening I am would happy. like to, that's what you say. I'm happy. How many times do you say it? Like all the time. Okay. Like and even when things like semi tiny things, like even if you're doing something that's kind of triggering me, like silently triggering me, like 
chomping loudly or something. You mean like bawling too hard? No. In my head, I'm like, I'm happy. It's fine. Let it go. I'm happy. I'm like, that's what I tell myself that nothing is worth it to disturb my peace right now. There you go. Nothing and no one. And that's you controlling your, I'm controlling my own power. You're becoming a Jedi master. Clearly. Obi-Wan. Sunny, that's my journey. That's not everybody else's journey. So that's my journey. And I've noticed that subconsciously that affirmation clicked and worked finally after 10 months where things aren't hitting me that much. Second, I noticed that I am I'm beginning to care more about the moment as opposed to the next day, the next week or the future, which is where my worry would tend to you know, fall into like this one thing affects all these other things in my life now for the coming year. I don't really care. I'm like, well, now is now. What do I have the power to do at this in this moment? What can I do? And I have this like underlying. How can I explain this in really good words? I have this underlying faith in that if something has happened, I ultimately have all the means necessary or the resources or the information to do whatever it is that's needed. And I may see something and want to fix it in its entirety. I may not have the time or the person or the resources to do so, but maybe that's not necessary. Maybe right now, all I have to do is this, which is exactly what what I have power to do so. So I'm kind of taking my desire and not shutting it down, but kind of seeing like, okay, what do I have now that I can match my desire to that I can like fix this issue from and make it better? Or at least stop it from getting worse with whatever that may be in life. So those are the two things that I've come to realize for me personally that I've kind of kicked into gear. And so I just don't, I don't tend to really worry anymore. And because I'm not really worried about anything, I've also noticed that I'm not really con- trying to control anything. That's key. Which which is a big one with you and I, because there's we, we obviously can't talk much about it, but there's some big goals that we've got written down for ourselves in the next you know year or so. And there have been times where you've gotten a little shaky and then I've gotten nervous and then I've tried to tell you what to do. And, you know, although we don't fight, there is that business aspect to our relationship and that business really where I say what I want to say, you too say what you want to say. And so I've I've noticed that I've kind of retreated from that because I'm not trying to control it because I'm not worried about it. Mm -hmm. I know it's all going to work out in its way and I don't know the way. Like we, you have to understand that you never know how something's going to happen. You just have to believe it will or 10 times better. And so that's where uh, I've, you know, come with this where I just don't waste my time worrying anymore. And it's made me a better person. Um, now let's shift gears into when you do worry for the, for those of you that do worry and kind of can't get out of your own head, it's completely normal. Um, it mimics anxious behavior it mimics the um anxiety disorder in some ways but here's something to think about before you start worrying again next time where you become triggered does it not cloud your judgment you know doesn't it like debilitate your your mental capacity to come up with a solution doesn't it take you into deep depression doesn't it make you unhappy for some people they eat you know when they're worrying about something they're emotional eaters Excuse me. Or some people go, you know, run the treadmill obnoxiously. You don't do anything positive or helpful when you're worried. And worst of all, you're probably chewing someone's ear off that's close to you. Your spouse, your friend, or your family members, or a coworker. Like, there's nothing good 
that ever comes out of worrying about anything. So all you have to do is ignore the worry part and just jump into the present moment and figure it out from this point of like, this is what I can do. This is what I have. This is how I can fix it. And just let it be what it is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know? So let's get to the science behind this. Um, I actually did some research around this and this is what they, this is why they say that humans worry. So Who's if, they? if we know why people worry or why you and I or anybody else, you know, ever worries, you can control that now. You, you can fix that. You can overcome those mental barriers yourself. It's the drunk monkey you have to tame. I was just reading this book recently that talked about this type of thing we're about to talk about. Do you think worrying is, is a part of ego? 100%. Okay. Absolutely. Explain. Ego, you know, can rear its head in many different forms. And we've talked about this in past episodes. But worrying is the ego mind telling yourself something that doesn't even exist yet, right? Because you're being anxious about something that has happened that's potentially going to change something in some negative fashion in terms of how your mind's thinking about it in the future, or you're worrying about something that hasn't even occurred yet. That's the ego mind saying it's taking you out of the present moment where you should be calm and centered. humans are very much, we are very much programmed from a very early age to give a lot of clout to experience. And so when something happens and we kick into worry mode, It's because sometimes our minds are connecting dots back to when this happened when I was a kid, all this shit happened afterwards. When this happened last year, all this crap happened. You and I have tons of examples of this. Like, you know, when this happened last year at this time, X, Y, Z happened and we lost X amount of money doing this. And so your mind kind of goes back to that past thing. And I don't have an answer for this. Maybe you do. When your mind wants to put you in the worry mode, because this has happened before and you saw what happened after the you saw the aftermath or you experienced it as a kid with your family how do you how do you know the difference between a lesson learned from an experience so that you can prevent it now and be one step ahead or that past experience is not connected to this one how do you know the difference i don't know could you ask that question again how i want, I want know, to make sure i understand what how you're do you saying. know the difference between because I think we worry a lot of the times when things happen based on this has happened before. And then it, you know, it makes you feel a certain way or it forces you to go through certain things. Or you worry because you're, you're starting to be in the moment and you're thinking about all these things that can potentially happen, but you shouldn't be connecting them to the past experience. You should fully be in the moment with that issue and work on it. But how do you and I know the difference between our mind or ego saying you're worrying this has happened before oh my god you know this means x amount of money out the door or this means this is going to happen or that's going to happen do you see what i'm saying there's a difference i I understand what you're saying but i still think the approach to it of what should be executed on the exact same you detach yourself and you don't think about what's happened in the past because just because something's occurred in the past doesn't mean it's going to occur the same way in the future but then how do you learn a lesson what are lessons what are experiences their experiences, yeah. I mean, you, you take that into an account when you're moving forward, but it doesn't always mean the same thing's going to happen. Like, I think there's a difference between lessons that you learn that require you to move more calculated in the future when you do certain things than as opposed to basically, you know, also detaching yourself from different scenarios. Does that make sense? 
No, that's I, that's my confusing part. Like that's where I get confused still. So for me currently, just detaching all together, not even caring, is working right now. But for the very very analytical mind, I could see how somebody could be like trust the process. You know, the last time I took out a business loan for this idea, you know, it tanked, and then all this stuff had happened because of that. I lost my home, my mortgage, whatever. And and you'd think that this person should just learn from their experiences instead of worrying. And apply those experiences and lessons learned now to not do that again. Yeah, but I think what's important there is them taking out the business loan in this example may have not actually been what caused all the issues. They could have been doing something else, right? So that, but based off that person's individual experience, they may be fearful or apprehensive to take out a business loan in the future. But when reality, they should figure out what was it that actually caused the issues and not, and then figure that out to be more calculated in the future and not let it prevent them from taking the action of taking a risk on taking a business loan again, right? Unless the business loan was just in and of itself the mistake that was made. Okay, that's you know, very well said. Because okay. there's, so there's different things to analyze there. When you're a young kid in your, in your teens and like 20s and some very emotionally dependent people like get into a relationship and you have some men and women who just, desp- I mean, they just dread that breakup part. The reason being they dread it. There's like science behind this or they don't break up with their partners even though they should and their partner's bad for them is because they don't like to be alone because they felt that alone and fearness before. They have felt rejected before when they've been dumped and they've gone, excuse me, months or years being single and feeling, you know, unloved and alone or whatever it is. Therefore, moving forward, they never initiate a breakup or they're extremely doting because they don't want the person to leave them. That's a tough one. That's a worry. That's one that I think is is learned through experience and over, but in order to ways to solve that problem, I think in a scenario like that, it's best to detach yourself and not try to jump back with somebody in that scenario, right? Or you if have to become more self-aware. You have to become more self-aware and you have to be okay with the distance and yeah. with being alone. Um, and that's a challenging thing. I, I went through that firsthand. You know, I've had scenarios where I should have spent time alone, but didn't, right? Yeah. And it uh, doesn't end up working out well. But yeah. once I actually did spend some time alone and understand what I was really looking for, it gave me the clarity to move forward better. Yeah, you found a gem. What? You found a gem. What do you mean? A gem. A G-Y-M? No, a gem. A G-E-M. Me, I'm the gem. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Wow. Okay, course. anyways. So let's get into the science behind worry, which is like the human psyche. Why do we even worry? The first thing is control. It's because we crave control. And the more we worry, get this, the less able our bodies can handle the stress that's coming with that that moment right there. So this makes perfect sense, but we don't think about these things. If you can emotionally detach yourself from that thing that's happening, you're not going to worry. You're going to be objective. And your body's going to be able to handle this from an energetic, emotional mood point of view. You're going to be like, okay. And then you're going to give it some time couple hours maybe a day or two and the solution almost always comes to the comes to the top like for me every time I got triggered in the last few weeks I told you like I was just like I handled it things just I knew how to fix it I knew what to do and how to proceed forward without you know getting all frazzled but when we worry we send our bodies into like shock it becomes like fear or flight mode and that's where everything just starts to get very clouded it's a very neurological 
moment for us, actually. There's a good quote. I think it's Einstein that said it on that topic that says, you can't solve a problem with the same mindset that created it. Meaning mm, like you yeah. can't you can't have these worry you're trying to solve this problem and you're worrying about trying to figure out what it is. It's best to detach yourself, give yourself some time, disconnect, and that's when you reach a different mind state and usually the solutions come to you then. Yeah, very well said. The second um, reason of, of why we worry sometimes is programmed as kids or as young adults. So if you you know just look at our society, look at our parents, I'm sure... 99% of us have at least one adult figure in our lives who is a worry wart, 100%. And that person tells us not to do this, not to go there, not to take that risk, not to do this. And why? Because X, Y, Z happens and this happens and that happens. Remember this happened to so-and-so and remember this happened to your friend and your classmate in here? They just have this like negative outlook on just the worst is going to happen if you step outside of your house. And... That after a certain time, like I just explained to you guys earlier in the episode, when you have something constantly pounded into you and you're observing it, observing it, observing it, it becomes your subconscious. For me, saying I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy has become the forefront so much that nothing is taking me off that ledge right now. Just like that, think of us when you're kids and for 20 some years, you're constantly seeing a parent worry, worry, worry. On some level, you do tend to take that on. Until you get older, become self-aware and realize this kind of behavior is not serving me. I cannot act like my mom or my dad. And so you learn to break it down. But with that being said, here's a personal example for me that doesn't come from home. In my mid-20s, I was in the corporate world at a very cushiony job. And I learned the very, I learned the office politics the hard way. Let's just put it that way. I never really showed my worry or fear, anxiety, or any kind of nerves at work. If something had happened, I was very calm about it because I was fortunate enough to be in a leadership role. At such a young age, I kind of always felt that I had to take anything on my shoulders and just bear it like a boss, basically. But I noticed that, excuse me, if I didn't one time I did not show any kind of nerves when I was first starting there and something had happened and I felt judged by the CEO. And I, and, and this is why, because there was somebody else with me in that room who was frantic, you know, just like giving into it, being extremely dramatic about what's happened and how we're going to fix it and what we need to do. And she can't believe it's happened and all this like, you know, the world is falling apart. Meanwhile, I'm listening and taking notes and already trying to think of a solution. But I was calm on the outside and like really cool. And this other individual next to me was just frantically spazzing out and giving in to all the dramatics and the, and the bad energy. And the CEO was kind of looking at me and, and looking at her and I, I didn't know. I was like, something's off here. Like, I could pick up on something. And he's like, Nina, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, I think that we could do X, Y, Z. And he goes, oh, I thought you weren't even listening. He goes, what do you have to say about all of this? And I went home that night and I thought to myself, why did he, why did he treat me that way? Like, why did he say that to me? And I very quickly got my answer. It's because I wasn't giving in to all the spastic energy at the time. I just kicked into like, okay, this is what I can do. This is what I have to do. This is what we should do from a legal perspective from this, you know, that's what I started thinking about. But 
he did not appreciate my cool, calm, collected mannerisms. He took that as me not giving a shit. He took it as I don't care about the company or I don't care about what he's saying. But he did take into account and appreciated the woman who was frantic and giving into all of his fears and his, you know, the, the stuff that he was venting about and screaming about and cursing about, but not realizing that she wasn't solving any problem. Nor did she have any business being in that room at the time. She was not in the company at that level that could do anything about that. And so it made me think, I'm like, you know, this happens a lot in the workplace. And I think this is why our corporate world in America is so stifling to personal development and growth. Even if you want to become a person who doesn't want to worry, even if you want to become a self-aware individual, somebody who's always happy, somebody who's always positive, somebody who's solution-oriented, somebody who isn't moved by office politics, somebody who's not a schmoozer, somebody who can hold their own ground, you will come up against people like that in authority, you know, as the CEOs, as the managers, as the supervisors, who take that as like you being aloof, that's that's not that's not right. And so I think that we are programmed by our society to give in to that worry that if we're not worried, it means we don't care. And that means we're not going to do anything about it. How many times have you or I or anybody else listening as a kid, if you failed a test or did something and kind of didn't really care about it, your parents were freaking out because you didn't seem to care about it. Right. It's almost as if we're told you should be worried. You should be caring about this. And I don't know, at 31 now, I sit back and think like worry, worrying about something and caring about something are two different things. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's the same. I agree. At all. Uh, the thir- third reason or the third thing of, as to why we worry is pessimists versus optimists. It's just default thinking. Some of us think that the worst is going to happen. Some of us think that the best things can happen. And some of us are just neutral. And so I think that if we worked on this a little bit more and we're just like, well, everything that happens happens for a good reason and you program that into your mind, I think you can learn to not worry about stuff. Um, I think that's all I have for that. Now I go into solutions. You want to jump into solutions for this? Sure. So, so here's, how, here's, here's ways to worry less and, and feel free to like dump in like your own take. Sure, so... You need to look at the situation that you're worrying about completely objectively. And that's just basically removing your emotions from the equation, deleting your ego from the equation and looking outside yourself and thinking, okay, so this happened. What now? Right? Like very much detached view the scenario and figure out how you want to move forward in a very calm and peaceful manner. So for example, you can accept things by doing acceptance-based meditations. YouTube has a ton of them. So if you give yourself like 20 minutes to just accept something, it's not so much as diverting your attention to your breath like most meditations do, but more so sitting with that thing you perceive to be so catastrophic that just occurred in your life. As you accept it, you can also just face it and it's not going to be taking away its power. Um, So in reality, you're not really fighting it. You're not resisting it. You're just allowing it to occur and allowing it to be there. Kind of like we've talked about in past episodes, like see the situation as a cloud, objectively view it, let that cloud pass by, right? This is just a shift in your energy. It's a shift in your mood and your vibe. Ultimately, 
it's going to enhance your perception of whatever just occurred. Um, another way to basically worry less is to just allow and be happy with uncertainty. So this is a practice you have to do and really think about why do we worry? Because now we don't know how to do something or go on without someone, etc. That in a nutshell is called uncertainty. So we aren't really taught how to deal with or accept uncertainty. It happens and we all spaz out about it, but really it's not a bad thing. I tend to see it as an opportunity for endless amazing outcomes to unfold when you're just happy and calm and present with whatever that uncertainty is. Yeah, I have something to add to this one because this is something that I too am you know, constantly trying to work on is that if the path is unknown, if the way is unknown, which it always is for a second, just step back and think like when you go for that job interview, when you're going to work in the day, you know, when you're going to the gym, when you're trying to work on a new project or you're quitting your job or you're, you know, or you're trying to have a kid, whatever it is that you set out to do in life, you don't know what's going to happen. You, you want, you wish, you know, you like, you desire, you have your desires and you know what you want, but everything is unknown in life and being okay with that and seeing that as like a, wow, anything awesome can happen is a better way to keep yourself in your power and grounded as opposed to being fearful of that. I I don't think that's appropriate. Yeah, I agree. So another way to go about this is to really try to let go of any perfectionism that you hold on to. And so many people that are worriers, I think, are also trying to strive to be perfectionists a lot of times. And they're really clinging to an idea or a way of things or an outcome. And they worry about it or worry about how it will come to be. And this is like we talked about before. When you do this, it's going to bring anxiety. It's going to bring fear. It's going to alter your emotional state for the negative. And this really doesn't serve anyone well. Um, These people also cling to the possibility of negative outcomes out of fear of what others think, not so much of what they think themselves, kind of that external pressure that they're getting from people. I have been queen of this. And one of the things that had happened recently actually had to do with our home. So we recently had dumped a bunch of money and fixed a bunch of things that just kind of randomly popped up. And this house is only three years old. So... One of the walls, um, you I don't know, you scraped the wall when you moved a couch in or whatever. And then we went over and painted it and it just didn't match. And it's, it's probably one of the biggest walls in our house, too. And it's the same paint and same color throughout the entire house. What bugs me is that people notice it. When people walk in, they immediately make fun of that wall and ask me, what happened here? Ha ha ha. And it bothers me to like the core. Like I can't even explain it that it's like embarrassing to me at this point. <laughs> Didn't care much till recently. I usually just tell them I was just, I just, I paint on it for fun. But now it's like, well, when why are we doing something about it? You know? And so long story short, the paint didn't match. So I had to get guys to come in here and scrape off a bit of the wall inside of a closet to go match the color and it's just just a whole ordeal over it and now i'm thinking when this happened again and i got the quote for it and whatnot i was just like gosh like i just don't care like my happiness means more to me but the old me that you know for the last probably eight months that was flipping out about the wall i was just so i was pissed off because i was trying to make the house look perfect I was worried about the wall and the scratches because I didn't want people to come in and see this ugly wall every time we had people over. And so now looking back, it's like, really? I'm going to give away my peace and my happiness and my centeredness and my groundness over a wall and paint because of what everyone says? Do I, I said to you the other day, I'm like, I don't even notice it. 
Me, myself, doesn't notice it. Yeah, I just know there's one little spot on it because it was painted. It looks like an elephant. But every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes over notices it. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Here we go. Sally and Susie. Yeah, Sally and Susie. <laughs> but that's what I'm trying to say. That This is a very real, true example. Um, I'm sure a lot of women out there probably can relate to that example. But there's just no point. You know, last week when I got the quote, I was like, eh, whatever. You know what? When it happens and when we can fix it, we will. We have people out there matching the paint right now for us. But it's looking like it's going to take a solid three to four weeks for this job to get done. Mm -hmm. And I kind of just don't care. I'm like, fine. I'll be patient. At the end of the day, when you are worried about something, what I always remember is we're just a giant ball of fire hurling through the universe. So your problems aren't really that important. I also feel like when you do, when, when it is, when your worry and your perfectionism is based on what others think, there is no end to that. Like, I can give you an example. We can fix that wall. We could have fixed that wall eight months ago when it was bothering me. And I would have found something else to, like, worry about. And I feel like you have to, like, be aware enough and conscious about yourself to ask those questions. Like, when is this going to end? You know, we really see this with a lot of companies that we work with Mm -hmm. is this perfectionism thing. Because so many entrepreneurs are very type A perfectionist, right? And when they're working on building a product they like want it to be so perfect before they put it in their customer's hands, almost to their detriment sometimes. And what really aligns with this is similar guidance that we give the startups that we work with is build the minimum viable product. Like you should almost be embarrassed for the, of the first version of your product that you put in a customer's hands, but get it in their hands as fast as you can, because then you get feedback and figure out how to make it better. And it's really similar in this regard as well. Like let go of that perfectionism thinking you have to have a certain outcome, a certain way in every step of the way, just do the best that you can, but keep moving forward, right? Push, push on it. To give a personal example on this, um, to our audience, there are a lot of things that I have undertaken this year that are way outside of my comfort zone and they're more on the creative side and like archery no (laughs) so random um and it's it's definitely out of my comfort zone and i definitely had a little bit of like you know it's not perfect it's not perfect this podcast is a perfect example um if i sat here and tried to be perfect at podcasting which i'm still not there yet I'm still not good at speaking and sometimes I still mumble and fumble over my words and sometimes I listen back and I don't get my point across as clear as I am thinking that I'm getting it across. You have to start somewhere and let the rest go. Like you let the path unfold itself basically. With that being said, there's a couple more projects coming up here in a couple weeks that I'm already, I don't want to use the word worry, but I'm thinking about it before bed. I'm thinking about it at the gym. I'm thinking about it right now as I'm talking and I'm trying to get everything perfect because I know I have X amount of hours that day to get X amount of shots done, to get these looks done, to get this kind of thing. And I also have to make sure that Brian shows up and Brian poses like this and does this because we're working on something. And I'm already, quote unquote, worrying about it. And I have to keep reeling myself back in and be like, enjoy it, enjoy it. This is not the last time you're going to do this. This is the first time you guys are going to make mistakes. It's okay. But the biggest thing is to enjoy the process because you're going to do 10 more of these someday in the future. But you absolutely have to enjoy this photo shoot and have fun with it because that is the original reason I'm doing it is for fun. So things like that always happen for us, I feel. And it's, it's hard to remind yourself in the moment that 
nothing's ever going to be as perfect as you want it to be. It might even be better. And that's what kind of pushes me through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So the last point that we had on this was externalizing the worry. And basically when worries are abstract, toxic thoughts really begin lurking in your head. And sometimes it's really difficult to deal with those thoughts. And so instead, really try to externalize them. Uh, You know, I'm going to let you cover this next part right here because I'm going to start cracking up. Why? Go ahead. Oh, Worried Wendy. (laughs) You need to create a character. It's called Worried Wendy. Talk about Worried Wendy. The last thing you guys can do to help yourself worry less is try to externalize that worry. Worrying kind of comes from thinking about something too much, giving it too much power, you know, making it such a big freaking squandering deal in your head. And really, it's nothing. So if it's, it's a mental game. Like I said earlier, it's all neurological. If you can just think of for a second, get outside just next time you're worrying, okay? This is, this is not something I do, but this is a really good example. Next time you catch yourself worrying about something, get outside yourself. Pretend you're looking down at yourself worrying about something and just look at worrying wendy okay she she has like frantic hair she's really good friends with negative nancy she stuck her finger in the socket her hair's crazy her makeup's all over the place she's just a psychopath she seems like a neurological psychopath just like out to get people just freaking out about nothing for no reason and just kind of peddling in thin air not getting anywhere with her worries you know and kind of bombarding and annoying her husband annoying her family members annoying her kids annoying her friends She's texting away. She's doing she's doing nothing but worrying in her day. And you just look at that person and say, is this who I want to be? Is that the type of person I want to be? Because that's what most of us look like when we're worried about something, when we're throwing a hissy fit. That's exactly, we look like worried Wendy. And nobody wants to be worried Wendy. <laughs> Sorry if someone's name is Wendy. I sure don't. <laughs> it would suck if someone was named Wendy. This <laughs> podcast. Um, oh, so you don't want to do that. Um, like I mentioned earlier, I'll go into two things that personally help me is the happiness factor. I always remember like happy, happy, happy. So anything that makes me not happy, I just don't think about it. You know, I'm like, okay, this is this issue is not making me happy. I don't think about it. I'm not going to be worried. And the second thing is this is not very pretty to think about. And so I'm sorry for the graphic content. I don't mean this at all. I love animals. But I really am just thinking like, it's like beating a dead horse. You know, like after a minute, it's just like, what am I doing? Why am I worried about this again and again? I'm replaying the same damn thing in my head. When you Hold on. It's when kind you, of a gross thing to think about, but stop. So I saw that phrase that you just said and I was like, you know, where does this phrase actually come from beating a dead horse? So I Googled it real quick and here's what we got. The origin of the expression beat a dead horse comes from the mid 19th century when the practice of beating horses to make them go faster was often viewed as acceptable. To beat a dead horse would be pointless as it wouldn't be able to go anywhere. That's the whole point. <laughs> That's the, the origin of that. I was also I was always curious on... Thanks for that tidbit, Brian. Yeah, that was good. Guys, <laughs> if you didn't walk away with anything from this episode, <laughs> you know where, where beating a dead horse yeah. came from. All right, 19th century... Cool. All interesting. Right, we don't care about the 19th century. I thought it was pretty so interesting. So whatever you guys might be going through, whoever's listening, like you have a wedding coming up, you're trying to have a kid, or you have kids on the way, or you're trying to look for a job, whatever the heck it is, stop worrying about it and just let it be. Let it unfold in its way and put your happiness first. Do anything that makes you happy. Do everything that makes you happy and keeps you in that happy spot. 
and and ride horses. Don't beat them. Don't don't beat the <laughs> don't become worried, Wendy. Oh, yeah, let's let's jump into these books. You we do got. the books. I'll do the quote. Cool. All right. So the books that we have today that align with the topics that we discussed. The first one is called The Worry Cure, and this is by Robert Leahy. Uh, that's L-E-A-H-Y. Um, the second one we have is Anxious for Nothing, and this is by Max Lucado. And the third one is How to Stop Worrying and Start Living by Dale Carnegie. I've read a lot of Dale Carnegie books, and he's a good author. Um, so those are the three books that we recommend checking out that align with this topic if you are worrying too much. Okay, quote for the night. Our fatigue is not caused by the work but by the worry. This is very true. I'm going to say it again. Our fatigue is not caused by the work, but by the worry. We stress or we worry about things before they've actually happened. Something happens and then you start to project that now X, Y, Z are going to happen and that's what you're trying to control. You're trying to control the potential effects of something and why you know you sit there stressing about things and worrying about things even before they have technically happened you know and it's never as bad as the thing that just did happen that triggered you or made you worry it's never that bad so um, 99% it's not actually going through that thing that you're worried about is not the problem it actually always turns out to be easier than we thought and if you can look back at anything in your life you know the bar exam moving to St. Louis um you know, my knee, I messed up my knee a couple years back. You just like freak out and you're so nervous and scared. But then once you just ignore that mentally and just go through it, whatever it is that you have to deal with, it's never that bad. You yeah. make it. We make, we make a, what is it called? We make a, a mountain out of a molehill in our head. Gosh, you were just crushing it today. With these. <laughs> I got it. Where do you think that phrase came from? Yeah, okay, look it up. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll look it no, up No, go ahead, quick. look it up. Hold on. Keep us going, you know. No, it's okay. This awkward silence is absolutely great. This is you guys, unedited. I don't edit anything. One thing that's good about awkward silences is um, we always actually, whenever we're trading entrepreneurs for their pitches that yeah. they're giving, their investment pitches, I talk about the power of the pause. And oh. if you if you want to find somebody who is just a phenomenal speaker and you want to watch an awesome speech to teach you how to become a better presenter. Do you want to know why I pause? Kanye you pauses. should pause right now while I'm talking and let me finish the <laughs> statement unless you want me to. No, I'm telling you, Kanye pauses all the time and you could tell like he's trying to gather his Gemini thoughts. Yeah. And well, when it comes to the power of the pause, if you want to ever watch a really phenomenal speaker and learn about how to become a better presenter and how to actually be very persuasive with what you say and learn about how to pause, because sometimes when people pause between what they're doing, they'll say like, um, or different things like that. Go look at Martin Luther King's speech the night before he was assassinated. It's like one of the most powerful speeches. He does it straight off the dome, but he like is so crystal clear and pauses so well with what he says. And he's very persuasive. I couldn't find that online. So sorry that I just gave you that, but I did give you a great tidbit on how to become a better public speaker. You're an epic failure right now. Yeah, I'm epically failing. See that pause? Oh, Count All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I sure did. I like to talk. Yeah, about it was good. Stuff. I thought it was good. And please be sure to reach out to me on my Instagram handle at Nina Powell Dixon or Brian at Brian Dixon 06 and let us know what you guys think about us releasing more episodes during the week. We'll always have this one with you and I at least on Tuesdays, but maybe one on Thursday or Wednesday or Saturday. That's kind of a solo episode, either just Brian or me. Definitely let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks a lot. See you next time.